that sound in? Yes. We're keeping that dragging sound in. <laughs> I can't remember the song, but there's a Beatles song that uh, when I had the radio gig, you know, you have the headphones on and you listen to things very closely. At the end of the song, uh, there's a, a chair squeaks. And you could, and it like you know something that happened during the recording. Um, I don't remember what song it was. In any case, let's leave it in. Let's leave this squeak in. This is no laugh track podcast episode four sixty seven. Yes, that is right. Uh, we're here at Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis. I'm Justin Severson, the guy who gets to host this each week. Today, uh, I don't need to say the date because it, you can listen to this anytime. But I will say it's the exact same date that I talked to this person last year. Mike Kaplan and I were on this stage. The exact same day last year, Mike. What, how is that possible? Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you how. Uh, because I realized, so I started, I was here last night uh, for my my beginning of this run this weekend. And I got yesterday morning, uh, I looked at my Facebook memories and it was like a post like, hey, today through the weekend, I'm at Acme. And I was like, how could, because usually every year it's a slightly different day, but... Uh, because last year it was a weekend that started Wednesday, Wednesday through Saturday. This year it's only Thursday through Saturday, so it moved along. Next year, just Friday and Saturday. Don't do that. The no, following no, no, year, no, sa- oh, no, okay. no, 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 okay, here, no, no, no. Here's, here's what we'll do. No, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. What's gonna happen next year is we're gonna go Friday through the following Saturday. We're gonna. So it used to just be Tuesday through Tuesday through Saturday. It was more shows than almost any other comedy club yeah. that I'd ever. I don't think I. No, no, I've never performed. Vegas. Vegas once. I was there for seven days straight. Vegas is a completely different beast than yes. everywhere else. Yes. And and a different like this is this is the kind of beast. This is the beast of quality here. <laughs> like Vegas might be the beast of quantity, but uh, this is the beast of quality and quantity historically. <laughs> but yeah, when my very first time here was 2010, right after I did Last Comic Standing, my very last night on the show, the final episode was Monday, and I flew here on Tuesday and performed Tuesday through Saturday many many if not all the shows sold out thanks to my my brand new uh like possibility for people to know who I was from just having seen me on that show and so yeah Tuesday through Saturday that's what it was almost every time then uh just in the past couple of years obviously due to reasons uh, beyond almost anybody's control uh went to Wednesday We know who to blame. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Between you and me we know who to blame. Absolutely. Uh and I, I so I, I'm excited. I'm excited to announce. You've heard it here first that finally uh, I will be next year returning to Acme for an eight-day week. Uh, <laughs> speaking of the Beatles leaving things in, I'll be here eight days a week from Friday through. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. It'll be nine days. We're gonna go more bigger than the Beatles. A bigger week than the Beatles. Nine days a week from Friday to the following Saturday. You heard it here first, and this is legally binding. Oh yeah, everyone knows that. Contractually, whatever said on a podcast uh, is law. Yep, and true. Truth, truth yeah, and law. You, you know that old, uh, like the song of how a bill becomes a law, and, the, yes, and right. yeah, the new version is we have a little dancing bill. He's like, well, you go on a podcast and you say it, <laughs> and that's it. A very short song. <laughs> I'm still just a bill. <laughs> that is right. Also, a uh, quick thing on the subject of uh, recording songs and other such. Uh, I don't know. Do you listen to Alan Watts much? I uh, don't. Alan Watts, uh, a f- spiritual. Teacher, speaker, writer, uh, like, love them. I've been listening on the Waking Up app, the meditation app. There are now more than 100 hours of Alan Watts talks. You can also get them on YouTube and just search for Alan Watts, read him, listen to him. His voice is really nice. He made this point that he's like, when you... uh, when you're recording, you know, in optimal circumstances, recording an album, you have soundproofing. You have, like, you know, a self-contained area to keep the noise of the world out. You don't want horns honking. You don't want animal sounds. You don't want, you know, the, the sounds of the hubbub of the city. He's like, so they get a perfectly clear, pristine recording, and then people listen to it in their home with the windows open, with the noises <laughs> of the world. They're like, perfect. Like, you're not, you're not listening to it in a soundproof. No. You know, uh, like it, in a float tank, no. a in your car t- with the windows down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like you, your own chair squeaks, <laughs> and you're like, "Was that the Beatles?" <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. 
Uh, wait, is this on the is this on the free version, or am I gonna have to pay to get all that? All great that question. Stuff? Great question. Uh, I will. I can definitely send to you, Justin, uh, at least a free. I feel like some chunk of time's worth, and you can try it out for yourself. And then uh, it's. I actually think I paid like a lifetime. I I have it now free for a lifetime because I paid some large amount of money. But also, if you tell them that you have no money, they will give it to you for free. Oh, I like those kind of companies. It's really nice. I feel like uh, Maria Bamford is a company like that as well. I see her posts yes, all the time. Yes. That's like, come see me. It costs money. If you don't have money, let me know. Yeah, don't let that stop you. Yeah. That's it's, awesome. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That is absolutely beautiful. Well, it is great to have you back in Minneapolis a year from the last time we talked. To Same. say the least. And more, uh, more strange coincidences there. Both years, the week prior, Jackie Cation's week here at Acme. <laughs> that is some weird, wacky stuff. Yep, but if you go the other way, it, it, it ends. There's okay. No, no, no synergy whatsoever. Fair no, enough. Yeah, well, yeah. But, I mean, also, we don't, we don't know. Who knows what's going to happen next week? True, you know? true, yeah. true, true, Could true, be true. an exact replica of last year. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know, we, the schedule, like, we've, we've seen what happened to schedules, you know? Like, since... The pandemic began like nobody knew that. it I mean, you know, probably some people knew uh, and uh, they were like, hey, we should do something about it. And like, quiet, quiet, you. <laughs> but uh, it really it was such a, a weird experience to be like, like, I want to go back to the past where I knew what the future was going to be. But there was it was an illusion. The right. idea that we would know what the future was. So I hardly know what's happening right now. <laughs> we'll play it back for you. It'll help. Uh, Thank later you. Later on, we'll play it back. Yeah, you play it into my ears right now as we speak. <laughs> like Synecdoche, New York. I don't know if that's a, a movie that you've seen, but it's uh, no. but it's a very good reference. What what I just said makes a lot of sense. Everyone got it but me. Thank I'm, you. I, I, I apologize, everyone. <laughs> I apologize. Now, before we started recording, you want you told me you wanted to talk about Will Smith finally apologizing to Chris Rock. Uh, of course, I did. Yes, and I'm I have my improv training. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. Of course, we did have that conversation. Uh, here's a, a really funny thing. I, I'm here. I don't mean to I don't mean to call my shot. Let me let me backtrack and say here's a thing. I don't even know if there's gonna be a thing. I uh, here I'm gonna keep talking. So, uh, a few days ago, I was in Kansas City. And uh, I've I started performing. I think I only first performed there about a year ago, and I love going there. My girlfriend's family lives there. Her mom and uh, younger siblings are there. And does that sound like it's my girlfriend's mom and my girlfriend's younger siblings? Because that's what I'm trying to say. Because I it's my her mom and her mom's kids. But when I other day I said it's my girlfriend's mom and her kids I was like oh is it my my girlfriend doesn't have kids but uh, I was picturing uh, siblings of that's great hers. okay so there's these 8 to 16 years old 5 children and a mother who's older than that and uh, maybe she's the exact same age okay so she's as old as her children and uh, so we've started we visited Kansas City a number of times uh, and there's uh, the comedian who hosted for me the first time I was there a year ago his name is Evan Christian Golt he is funny he is kind. He has helped me set up a number of shows other times that I've been back there, including uh, he had an open mic uh, earlier this week uh, that I feature. I did a feature length spot on and I did a lot of material that I was preparing for my week uh, here where I'm recording for a new album. And uh, during my set, there was a moment where I I had a joke that I have since uh, like looked up and seen that there are other versions of this joke, but I, I wrote it years ago, and then I saw, oh, there's like a New Yorker cartoon version of it. It's, are, you're familiar with Easter Island, the island you know with all the, the big heads yeah, on it? Yeah. And so uh, I the joke that I, I said was something like, you know, I'd like to go there and put a bunch of yarmulkes on them, call it Passover Island, and then also you know put some beards on it. Very funny. I'm good. Uh, and... <laughs> Uh, you you understand, but so you're but, reading my inner monologue again, Mike. <laughs> so as I was beginning, before I got into the joke, I just wanted to make sure uh, the handful of people that were there uh, at this at this show, I was like, I said the same thing that I said to you. I was like, Easter Island is everyone familiar, generally speaking, and uh, I was like, if anybody's not, please let me know. I want to explain because I want everyone to appreciate the joke. And the one person who raised her hand to indicate that she had not heard of Easter Island in the context uh, that I had provided was my girlfriend. And I was like, wow, we've been together six years. And I sort of like in real time, I was like, this is this is fascinating. Like, it's not urgent that. Every, like everyone's not heard of everything. Uh, my girlfriend also grew up uh, homeschooled for much of her 
childhood. So there are certain gaps in, you know, just trivia, you know, that we we learn certain things like, what do you know about the Magna Carta? Well, 1215. What else? Uh, That was just the time that they signed it, I guess, like right after lunch or whatever it was. (laughs) And yeah, you know, it was like, we want to get to, maybe it was right before lunch. And they were like, let's just do this real fast. Slapdash. But so anyway, the point is, uh, now she knows and we were fine. The comedian who went on right after me, the feature set I did was like in the middle of the open mic. Uh, Comedian went on next and said, oh, look at this. Uh, Six years together and Mike finally learning that his girlfriend is blonde. And we're like, oh, well, that's that's a not necessarily. I mean, it's a, sort of a an old fashioned trope. First, yeah. The wow, idea- did that just bring me back to holy cow, a blonde yeah, joke. It, wow. Okay. It's, yeah. It's like wow, like d- dusting off. Like wow, in the in the wild. We're like, isn't that? <laughs> but in the moment, yeah. we we were kind of you know sitting and being like, oh, this is uh, a strange. And you know, I'm not saying that like I am so uh, like I feel like all human beings ought be respected. And like you know, I understand like sometimes at comedy shows there are jokes at people's expenses. And if, if it was at mine, that would have been one thing. At my girlfriend's, it was another thing. Afterwards, we talked about it a lot. And uh, the her ultimate conclusion, and here's the thing: is like the idea that a blonde person, like blonde people, aren't dumber than not blonde people. Like it's it's a a foolish st- like as many stereotypes are. It doesn't really make sense. Like there's dumb people of all color hairs, you know, whatever whatever you wish. But so she was like, I wish in the moment I would had just said. Wow. You know, because we're like, wow, wow. Like to let after the show, yeah. uh, he he came up to me, he was like, Hey, I enjoyed your set. And I said, Hey, I enjoyed everything you said except for one. And uh and he he apologized uh, essentially and my girlfriend said, Thank you for the apology. And the thing here's the thing later when we were talking about it and sort of uh, you know going through it and processing it and it's not it's not the the meanest thing anyone's ever said it's not the worst thing but we were like you know it made us feel a way that we wanted to think about and talk about and she made this point uh, which is why I'm bringing it up now she was like it would have been we she was like it would have been really funny if I was like go get him and like because he's talking about my hair like I should have gone up and be like hey you know sometimes yeah. when someone on stage talks about a person in the audience's female partner's hair they get slapped and <laughs> I was like that was it she, you're talking hey, get your girlfriend get my girlfriend's hair get your girlfriend's hair out of your mouth I mean put it there your girlfriend's fine get my girlfriend's hair out of your mouth because hey stop sucking on my girlfriend's hair that's not what this is about at all but I was like uh, Rini, my girlfriend's name is Rini. Yeah. I was like, Rini, that's we were t- just in the car together on the way home. Like, that's hilarious. That's so funny. That's so smart. If anyone is blonde, it was that dark-haired man. Uh, <laughs> and and he wa- he wasn't either. You know, no, nobody nobody's blonde. Ever. That's I'm here to say that it's not a real color. It's not even a color. Like brown, that's a color. Right. Black, that's a color. Bla- where did the- blonde? That's fine too. But. Uh, yeah, so I, I understand that Will Smith now, uh, you know, they say that uh, comedy is tragedy plus time, and I guess apology is tragedy plus time as well. So <laughs> Three months time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, it's... Uh, wow. I, <laughs> Who knew that that was going to lead to that story? That's amazing. You got it. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, d- I'm curious. I would love to pull that guy aside and ask him if he knows how close he was to getting his ass kicked. <laughs> If he knows how close he was to me making a joke about slapping him, which I think is uh, the wrong thing to do, to sl- to be violent and even to joke about, but even now I'm a little uncomfortable and would like this all to be edited. I'd like to slap my. I'd like to pinch myself, make sure I'm not. Am I dreaming? Hope I'm dreaming. Uh, yeah, that guy was really close. From if he was a little smaller and I was a little more violent. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's so funny. Oh, that was great, Mike. Um, I the, the the big thing in that everyone's talking about today is the lottery. Is have hit over one billion dollars to win the Mega Millions. That Do you ever gamble? You know, uh, I when I turned whatever age it is, is it 21, 18, whatever age it, it depends is. Depends where you are. I guess. That you could that I could buy a lottery ticket. I think it was eighteen because I think it, I was in high school. And it was like we had senior cut day, which is a, a weird thing. There's like, oh, yeah, this is the day that we just we all agree we don't go to school. And the organized admi- ditching. Yeah. The administrators are like, that's not allowed. And we're like, well, we're doing it. Uh, and I remember 
I wasn't yet 18, but my girlfriend at the time was, and I was like, buy me lottery tickets. And I don't know, I don't know what, and so now, uh, I don't remember the last time that I bought a lottery ticket, but I, uh, it was definitely back before before the pandemic, because during the pandemic is when I started engaging in uh, marijuana edibles more and the joke that I used to tell is that every once in a while I would try pot and try a lottery ticket to make sure that it still didn't work like just to make sure that I was still not lucky you know what I mean like I like every once in a while I'd buy a scratch off ticket I wouldn't win the end every once in a while I would try pot it would make me feel awful uh, the end you know what? and so yeah I I feel like, I mean, it's, it's a little different than, like, a casino. Like, I, I grew up, uh, my grandmother taught me how to play blackjack at a very young age. She would go, she played, she would go into casinos very sensibly. Like, she would go, let's say, once a month, have a good time. She played blackjack. If she won, then she would go back, you know, the following whatever time unit. If she lost, she would stay away for longer. She basically had sort of, like, budgeted, like, yeah. this much money is for the fun that I get out of doing it. For me, like, I went when I turned 21. I was in college in Boston. I went to Foxwoods, uh, which was maybe an hour or two away. My All my friends, we went, uh, and I was like, I'll just lose two. If I lose $200, I'll stop. So I only brought $200. But I also brought an ATM card, and so I lost more than $200. <laughs> but, but I was like, I'm going to get them back at the buffet. You know that classic thing. Classic. And so I ate I got comped into the buffet. I ate until I was very, very sick feeling. I threw up. This wasn't my plan. But then I was like, well, I guess I can eat more now because there's now more room. And no. I don't recommend any of this. No. But here's the thing about like gambling money. Like I don't I don't love the stock market. I don't love casinos. I love the one time that I was in Vegas for only seven days, not the nine day week that I'll be here next year. <laughs> that uh, I remember I on one day I like just got a monorail like all day pass and just went into all the casinos oh, just yeah. to like That's look so at them. They're like art. You know, I love doing like that. beautiful architecture, really, really cool looking stuff. Like that's that's a valuable use of time, but the idea to spend time, like spend spend time and money to hopefully win money, but definitely lose time. Like, oh, yeah. there, like there's no absolutely you're not going to like you know you see a movie that you don't like you're like no oh, that's two hours I'm not getting back. You're never getting any you and you're probably not getting your money back either. But uh, so yeah, so lottery <laughs> tickets are not my thing. But now that it's a billion dollars, you say like that changes. Is right. everything. Uh, it's, you I'm know, fascinated by the people that, like, well, not, like you're just saying, like, well, not, I mean, 25 million, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> Pay off my visa, then what? I'm you still know, struggling. I learned about it from my girlfriend's mom, who was like, so it's over a billion now. So if you take it in a lump sum, that you get about half. So you get about 500 million. Then, of course, taxes take away half of that. So you've got like 250 million. That's pretty good. What would you do with it? And we're like, uh, you know, pretty much just uh, have, have one more room in our house. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's... It is. It's fun every once in a while to imagine, to fantasize, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is really fascinating to like. I feel like it would just be good if uh, everyone had enough. You know, that's uh, no that, kidding. That would be. I wonder. I would. I guess. I. How many people? There's 300 million people in the United States. So if we did the lump sum thing, somebody paid the taxes. That's like everyone gets almost a dollar. Uh, <laughs> Let's all pitch in. <laughs> I. I have felt like it would I'll be, agree to share. Yeah, I mean, every week. If, if here's the thing, depending, you get a group of people. You know, it's like a fun thing to do is you have, let's say, you have ten friends. You know, you all go out to dinner. Like, if one person can afford it, they're like, I got it. Everyone, it's on me. I'm like, wow, that's so nice. Every week, what a different person. Every or maybe every week, a different person doesn't have to pay. Just nine people pay for ten people. That's nice, isn't that? And that seems like a nice way to do society, also, because <laughs> uh, the lottery does really seem to be a tax on the poor, just in general. Like and what yeah. I wonder who yeah. I wonder what's the richest person who plays the lottery? That's a great question. I will say that I know the um, some of the richest people that I've met I know do play the lottery. Hmm. So well then they do. And what do they make? Like a couple, couple hundred bucks a year. So like <laughs> the you're richest close. people that you're, you know. You're close. You're yeah. close. <laughs> that, they, they make that by noon each day. There's yeah. a there's a comedian uh, that was uh, in Boston, I think, since the '80s. And when I started out, he was uh, in one of the you know elders sure. of the scene. And uh, his name was Rich Gustus. 
and he had so many very very funny jokes and one of them was I'm gonna I'm paraphrasing but it was something like he's like I I don't really know like I don't I've never had a lot of money I don't really know what things cost you know so like a friend of mine's like I'm buying a house I'm like a house wow that must cost that's gonna set you back like hundreds of dollars so I feel like I'm uh, living in I, that, that was manifesting uh, <laughs> in in this in this conversation within me as well. I used to. I gotta tell you this. I used to. Uh, I'm married second time right now in my second marriage. Double congratulations. Yeah, that's that's what I was searching for. Next topic. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> during my first marriage, I remember I worked on a radio show. We would get these phone calls. I was my job back then. I was to answer the phones. And I remember it was like we this would come up every now and then when the lottery got super huge. And I remember this woman would call in all the time. And I told her once, she's like, are you going to buy a lottery ticket? I said, I know, because if I won that much money, it would ruin my marriage hmm. because you just, it, that's, it's too much to handle. Well, I got divorced anyway. So <laughs> I, like, I, why? But you would have gotten divorced even more. <laughs> uh, just, it would just have been harder to split things, I guess. Right. Yeah. You know, when I got divorced, uh, I, I got married when I was 25 and divorced when I was 28. And uh, it, I, what, what is the thing? Oh, yeah. We didn't have tons of money, and that was good. That was like, we had, I think, when we got into the marriage, we each had a car, and I think she got rid of her car, and so we just had one car. And we had only one computer, and so that was the only thing that I think, the the good thing, the way that it worked out was, I think her parents had an extra car and gave her a car. I kept my car. My dad had an extra computer. She kept our computer. I got a new computer, and we're like, okay. And we we split the minimal uh, money that we had in our bank account, and it was like, I feel like getting lawyers would have made us be like, well, that's even easier to split because we'll just split, we'll give it all to the lawyer, and then we'll each take left. zero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There were no pets you had to take care of at that time. We no, we did not have no. It was because uh, that can get sloppy. Yeah, I was I was a resident assistant at Boston University at the time. We were both living in my on-campus apartment that came with my job. So it was like I'll keep living here because it's my job, and you'll stop living here because it's not yours. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it were it it really worked out. No, <laughs> good I luck everyone on that lottery. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, last night on stage, you had notes. Yes. And at one point, you said, I'm 45 minutes into this, and I'm on the second page. Yes. And What's there going were... on, Mike? <laughs> I, I try to talk as fast as I can. But uh, so here's, here's the thing is, uh, in, in the year 2017, I, so I recorded an album in 2016. I recorded an album here in 2019. In 2017, I recorded an album in Boston uh, that I, I just, uh, I called it Live In Between Albums because it was, the album I made in 2016 was called No Kidding, and it was full of jokes about my not wanting children. The album I recorded here in 2019 was called, it's called AKA, which is for all killing aside, a jo uh, jokes about not murdering mainly, uh, kindness and love. And yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to take a, such a controversial position, but I'm against murder. And uh, we're going to have to end this year. <laughs> so here's the thing is, I, you know, in my now 20 ish years of doing comedy, uh, I like I like creating, you know, a themed show. Yeah. Uh, that isn't necessarily a narrative, but you know, that things all cohere and fit together. And I also write lots of jokes that don't end up going with the various themes. And so I had uh, in twenty seventeen I was like, I have an hour of jokes, it seems like, that uh, I that don't go with anything that might might never fit into a specific theme, but I'm like they're funny jokes. I I I've finished writing them essentially, and I'd like to share them with the world. And so I recorded it, and uh, the the record label that I work with now is Blonde Medicine. Uh, Dominic Del Benny is uh, a good friend, and so. Uh, and they produced AKA as well, and a bunch of like check out check out all the comedians that they produce. They they work with a ton of super funny, super nice people, and they're they're super funny and super nice. And so he helped me uh, t take the album that I'd recorded essentially on my own and uh, release it to it went to Sirius just to play on essentially Laugh USA. So oh. it's, it's an album that does not exist currently in the world for people other than we were like, oh, let's put it there because, uh, put, put it there, pal. You know, and <laughs> it's uh, like, 
essentially one of the ways that you know you, you may know this that comedians uh, can make like if you have stuff playing on YouTube if you monetize it you probably get you know a couple cents for every couple thousand plays you know if you have millions of millions of spins you get thousands you get thousands of dollars potentially but it's you know you need millions of spins yep. Sirius radio satellite radio is one of the uh, only sources that is like uh, a better deal oh uh, so yeah you get you get more than you get on Pandora or Spotify or any of the other uh, you know, sort of streaming platforms. That's interesting because I played really hard. I played hardball when uh, I just had to re-up my subscription to SiriusXM. Mm. And I did the old, no, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Walking away. I'm done. I said it six times probably. And then I got it down to the price I wanted. Very and they're still willing. And I guess so even with my haggling, <laughs> you're still getting a bigger cut than other places. So yes. good, good on them. Yeah. I mean, uh, I just hope that uh, don't don't haggle too much with Spotify or it's going to go down to like half a cent per, uh, per thousand spins. <laughs> But uh, the point is, uh, yeah, I made I made this comedy album in 2017 that was completely clean as well, and so that's why like Laugh USA is uh, a clean channel. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I was like, uh, over the past five years, I have, and since before that as well, I've just like looked through my records and I've amassed even more jokes. Uh, I and the the re here the reason the answer to your question. Uh, and so the point is, I'm making a new. Uh, my aim is to make a new album uh, in that same vein, oh, like okay. jokes that like I have another themed show that's like done to be my next special that I haven't recorded yet, but wow. I plan to. And then I have other themes planned for after that. And then I still have all of these jokes that don't specifically go. They don't you know, they don't go with anything. They're just like fun. Yeah, it, it's just fun. Like my girlfriend. Uh, was saying like you know she and I have been like working together on one of the shows because it's about us and our relationship and she contributes to it and like helps me you know shape it and uh, she was saying like when she's been seeing me work on the material for this weekend and work and doing the show last night it's like it's just like uh, no no motivation other like like I'm not. Not that it's there's no judgment either way on trying to say something versus not trying to say something. My goal is to always be as funny as possible, whether it's funny as possible fitting in a theme or funny as possible, like themeless. Yes. You know, uh, my, my comedy is themeless. <laughs> yeah. If you if you come see me this weekend, it's themeless, everyone. Uh, no, let's, let's see yeah. a themeless transition, please. Yeah, thank you. That man. That's that might be the name of this album. Themeless transitions. Uh and that's that's really that's there it is. it might it might be it but uh yeah so the point is i get i had this issue as well actually i had this issue a lot of times right before i come here uh in 2012 i recorded my first album here my second album total my first one that i did here yeah. called meat robot and so I, good. I remember thank you so much uh i think i was here maybe in like september of 2012 and i remember in august uh, a friend of mine had uh, was do, running doing a theater run a show a show a theater show a presentation in New York in a theater and she was like our show like ends at nine and then we have the theater till midnight if you want to do like comedy shows afterwards for a couple nights and I was like that would be really helpful to have as much time as I need to go through the act that I want to figure out. I, like, I didn't know, since I'd recorded my first album in 2009, I truly didn't know how many jokes I'd written or how much time they would take up. Yeah. And so I like li wrote them all down. I came up with a list, and I was like, I'm going to go on stage these two nights and just see, do I have an hour? Is it 45 minutes? Is it an hour and a half? And like the first night, I got through half the material, and it took me an hour and 20 minutes. And then I did the second half the next night, and I was like riffing some, and it was a little loose. But yeah. then when I came here to record, I think I did like, you know, Four shows, and I recorded uh, the early shows 50 minutes each and the late shows 70 minutes each. And I came up with, you know, about 90 minutes of stuff that I eventually edited it down to a 45-minute album. And then the other half became part of the next special, uh, Small, Dork, and Handsome. And so similarly, uh, I d coming into this weekend, I truly didn't know if I only had a half hour of Inter stuff yes. that would become the album or if I had a full hour or if I, like— I real like it really did it does seem like this could be like a 2 hour album if I if I do everything. Yeah. Uh and then I also like you know I riff with the audience like I I have fun that comes up in the moment which is like it could just be like 
none of the jokes. It could just be all of the in-betweens, yes. you know? I just remembered another joke that I didn't tell last night. There's so there's there's so many. It's maybe it'll just be called too many like not you know, the uh, over you know, like the the cup, the cup, the the theme okay, that yeah, there we are. I <laughs> Uh, this is going to be on the album as well, so I'm going to need this. <laughs> I'm going to need this file. This is behind behind the themes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> behind the themes. I love it. Uh, but yeah, so that's the, to answer your question, your kind question that uh, uh, in the in the form of a rude question, like what's happening, Mike? But yeah, I I did truly. I brought you know seven pages full of jokes on stage last night, and I was like, I just to reference every once in a while to be like, have I like. Have I gotten through all of the jokes that I have about food or about movies? I didn't even get to movies last night. No. So tonight, movies. Movies. Uh, but uh, yeah, I. It's it's just, and I feel like it's also a credit to the audiences here at Acme because if I were doing this in front of uh, a different audience in a different place, I might have gotten through all the pages uh, too soon. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, someone who witnessed the uh, set last night, great. I mean, you did mix in some great crowd stuff. Guy named Bo, B-O, oh, fantastic yeah. thank stuff. You, thank you so much. Ah, <laughs> fantastic. Sitting not far from where we are right now. Yeah, look at that. Uh, you you didn't walk up with the cane today. You're feeling good, huh? Uh, yeah. So a uh, funny thing. So I did. I you know pulled. Uh, I tore a muscle uh, on June 19th, and we are. I'm I'm sorry to mark us in time, but we are recording this in July. Yes. It's uh, it's available. It's not a secret. Um, and it is still. Uh, my leg is, is still not fully healed, but I am able to walk short distances. Uh, and I brought the cane on stage with me last night, in part because I do. It is nicer to have it sometimes, and in part because I did write several jokes about the cane. Right. And uh, <laughs> I, I didn't want to be like, so everyone, I have this cane, and let me describe it to you. I'm a prop comedian now. Uh, I'm a metaphorical prop comedian. I just describe the props. You know. This reminds me, years ago, uh, a buddy of mine, Daniel LaBelle, another uh, wonderful, funny comedian, he and I uh, pitched a book. It didn't become a book, but we... I still, it's, I think it's a great idea, and we came up with a lot of fun stuff for it. You've heard of, like, conversation pieces, right? Like, you know, you have something in your house, it's on the wall. It's like, oh, what's that? Look at that. Oh, it starts a conversation. I, I remember, I think I was doing my very, one of my first podcasts. My first podcast was called Hang Out With Me. I had yeah. uh, Daniel LaBelle and a guy named Dan Hershon, another funny uh, former comedian, now uh, animator and other, and many other art creating uh, guy, many other art creating guy. That's the way uh, he likes to be identified. I'm sure that's on his uh, card. He makes beauty. Yeah, many other art creating guy. Um, Dan, super funny, super wonderful. Sketch comedy, uh, video editing, animation, all kinds of stuff. And so I remember Dan and Daniel were both on the podcast, and we were we were recording in my at the time producer's apartment, and he had like a guitar on the wall. And we learned in the course of you know before the podcast started, like oh he doesn't even play the guitar. He says yeah, it's just a, a conversation piece. And uh, then Daniel Labelle was like, what? Why do you even? You know, if you want to talk about, you can just talk about a guitar. It, you don't have to have a guitar on the wall to talk about a guitar. And then Dan Hirsch made the point. He's like, yeah, but without it there, like then why how would you how would you know what to talk about like you wouldn't just come in he's like i he talked about his anxiety of like he's like i think it's helpful to have to have the thing and then daniel and, and i were like well you don't even need the thing we're like so our book idea was to have a book of conversation pieces that you don't need to have just like every page like imagine and then yes. you could have like imagine if you had in your house like the big blue whale that's in you know the uh, museum of natural history in new york city imagine if you had you know a, a ship in a bottle imagine if you had uh you know a guitar that has two necks on the wall. whatever it is like and so and like i'm like and here's the thing you reading the book you don't even have to imagine it we we, we do the imagining for you. So, <laughs> oh my God. yeah. So I feel like uh, I forget why this came up, but the point is, uh, you can you can talk about whatever you want, or you can talk about whatever we want you to talk about. The the shape of the book could be a conversation mm. piece. I'm sure you covered that. Absolutely. And now I do remember why I brought it up. It's because of if I came on stage without the cane and then started talking about the cane, uh, the propless comedian. <laughs> Ima imagine a carrot top that's like has an empty trunk that's just oh, yeah. like yeah <laughs> that your, your cane's just your one prop is just rattling around in there oh yeah just, <laughs> that's it and, and you just look in and you're like ah oh, okay so here's the next thing everybody <laughs> you don't even have to worry about it <laughs> oh my goodness uh 
I don't think that book idea is dead. I think it's uh, there's still a future there. Thank you, my friend. There's still a future there. Uh, you have uh, I think we talked about it in the past, but I I enjoy the uh, music that you've done in the past. Thank you. Is there any? Is that part of stuff you're working on these days? Uh, thanks for asking. So I did uh, begin, my parents were music teachers. This is probably, like, to, to recap, previously on the musical life of Mike Kaplan, uh, my parents were music teachers. I started playing the violin when I was four. I didn't like it. I started teaching myself guitar when I was in high school. I did like it uh, because I wasn't being made to do it. And now that I'm not being made to do anything by my parents and what have you, like, I, I, I'll take out the violin once in a while. But I, I mainly enjoy, like, noodling on the guitar. I will. I'm grateful for all like the technological progress that's been made to make it so that I can record like with my podcast recording equipment with my computer with my phone uh, with GarageBand the app like there's you know you can have drum machines you can have yeah. like you know all kinds of instruments synthesized and and I can create music with actual instruments that I have. And so I I did one musical comedy album with my friend Micah Sherman and uh, just about 10 years ago and uh i made a, an album called many mini musics in 2016 that yeah. some of which is funny some of which is not specifically intended to be funny but is you know all kind of quirky and fun and so to answer your question i do still like i'm i'm glad that music music was uh originally my goal i wanted to be a singer songwriter that's right and I, and that's how I got into comedy because some of the songs were funny and I ended up f finding a comedy club to play them at that's and then right. I eventually fell in love with doing comedy and I and not carrying a guitar around and as such uh, I when I went to college I didn't study music ac I actively I made the des the decision to not become a music major because I didn't want it to become an obligation again I I wanted it to to remain just joyful mm -hmm. i wanted like i had i'd the violin like when i went to summer camp i went to a summer camp uh called bucks rock and it was founded by a man named a man named ernst Bulova and his wife ilsa and ernst had studied with maria montessori uh and montessori schools if you're familiar oh, yeah. uh, you know essentially children are given free reign to decide what they want to do there's no set curriculum that applies to every student uh, you decide how you want to spend your time and that's the way the camp worked as well you didn't have to go to anywhere specific you had to do something you you just weren't allowed to sit around all day but you could go to the ceramics shop all day you could do ceramics for 5 minutes and then go to the wood shop you could weave you could go to the recording studio they had glass blowing all kinds of things and some things you had to sign up for if you wanted to be in a play you had to go to the rehearsals but you didn't have to be in a play if you wanted to be in in the orchestra you you would show up when the orchestra rehearsed uh but if you didn't want to you didn't have to <laughs> though i was sort of again kind of part of the deal of my going there my mom was like you have to play the violin and so eventually though when i started teaching myself guitar i became a, a music counselor there and that was my choice and i liked teaching guitar lessons i liked helping out with all of the the music i, I read this book recently by dan Ariely, a social scientist uh who wrote the first book i read of his is uh, predictably irrational uh, a really cool <laughs> book about uh, human behavior it's a great title yeah and uh and it's the way we are uh we are irrational predictably and he wrote a book called dollars and cents spelled the clever way and he co-wrote it with a comedian, Jeff Chrysler, uh, who is an old buddy of mine whose name I hadn't seen in a long time. And I'm like, hey, he wrote a book with a guy, with a social scientist I love. Fantastic. In the book, they talk about the difference between work and play or work and non-work, at least. And work, they defined as like something that you're obligated to do. Play, something that you're not obligated to do. And it could be the exact same thing. It could be that, like, for example, like music to me, when I think about like if I've written a song and I sort of record a version of it, if I think about like wanting to release it into the world as something that I'm like, not just for me, not just for my girlfriend, not just for my friends, then I feel like there are higher standards and higher stakes and it becomes more work-like, more job-like. So I like that when I went to college, that's the reason I didn't want music to become an obligation, sure. a job obligation. if you, you, you didn't. But uh, <laughs> I... I truly, and so I was, I was grateful that I, I joined an acapella group. I joined a chamber choir. Wow. I took voice lessons, but I didn't have to. I didn't have to do any of it, and that's why I, I love. And so eventually, I may. The reason that I put out 
the Many Many Musics album in I think 2016 yeah. was because I I wanted to, and I have a good friend, my friend Sam, who taught me how to use my electronics, my uh, sound engineering equipment. Like mm-hmm. uh, he works in sound engineering, and so he he produced the album for me, and so. It wasn't work. It was hanging out with my friend and playing music and having and me being like, that sounded good to me. Does it sound good to you? Pretty good. And so in I can I can see that being another if we have the opportunity to do that again, like because if I do it on my own or if I do it with somebody who I don't know or somebody who isn't my friend or like somebody who I don't have like a creative collaborative work relationship with. Uh, then, then it would feel, I think, too much like work. Interesting. But uh, I mean, and comedy—it's interesting because comedy for me is my job. But I'm also—I'm glad. I'm glad that there's like right now enough leeway that like I don't, I don't, I generally don't have to do things in comedy that I don't want to do. Like if somebody offers me work. Like here's something actually. About a year ago, uh, I was invited to be a part of a podcast, a narrative podcast, uh, like storytelling. Uh, like it was like a sci- kind of a sci-fi fantasy acting gig that uh, I ended up doing. But at first, uh, it it was sort of like a labor of love for the guy whose project it was. Mm-hmm. And he was like, can you do this for – and he told me the amount of money it paid and the amount of time – of invest that I would have to invest and it was like eight hour it was like work it was eight hour days for a good chunk of time and I was like well I agreed to do it for a certain for a certain rate that I thought would be higher than he would say yes to and he said yes and I was like well I guess now I oh now I must do it but and it ended up being a beautiful, wonderful experience that I'm I'm glad it worked out exactly the way it did. The other two, uh, so it's, there's three leads. It was me, Mike Leibovitz, a super funny, oh, yeah. uh, wonderful human and comedian, and Matthew Broussard, another. Uh, both know him well. Yeah, no. great brains, great hearts. And so we, we spent, you know, eight hours together every day for uh, a couple weeks just, like, doing, it was, like, ten episodes, and we just, like, went through them. And acting is, uh, it's... It's work. It's like I mean, it's fun, and also like I'm not a I'm not as trained an actor. I think like Mike Leibovitz had the most uh, previous acting training to us. So, uh, and I think Matthew has has had more now. But at the time, I feel like they'd be like, "All right, let's take that one again." Uh, Mike, can you do this one a little better? And Matthew, can here's a couple notes for you. And Mike, uh, just keep doing everything exactly the way you're doing it. And Mike, the other Mike, not me. And <laughs> yeah, just to be Lebo, let's do that. But uh, the. I'm, it's such a, an interesting thing because also things in the future, I guess obviously the, con- the conception of things that are in the future, uh, when things are ahead of you, they feel different than when they're behind you. Like I'm very, it's always nice to have finished a job, but also like the work that I, the, the fear that I had that it would be like, you know, I have to get up in the morning and like at, at an earlier time than I have and go to a building and like your time, whatever job you have, if you're working for someone else, in a way your time is not your own. My girlfriend used to work uh, for, you know, a big, uh, a big department store in the fine jewelry department. And like there were times when like she was able if she was able to naturally be here. So she's had jobs where they they sort of encourage people just like, you know, like be yourself. And then hopefully like that will result in like a more relaxed environment in which you can thrive instead of being constrained by like having to meet a quota or sell or else there are penalties. Thank yeah. you. Have a great day. <laughs> and uh, and she and likened this to, in a way, you know, like there are like sex workers uh, who are literally like, you know, selling their time and their body in a way that she's like, that's also what people working in retail are doing. Somebody in retail is like, come here and have your body be, have your body do these things for this amount of time. And like, it's not obviously sex is a different thing than most retail work, but if it's, jewelry, yeah, they're similar. if it's something that you don't want to do, I mean, there's sex workers who love what they do and there are retail workers who love what they do. And there are also people in both categories who don't love what they have to do. And there are people in retail specifically, like it's, it's weird how, how similar they are because you, she didn't, there was so much about it that she didn't enjoy, but she's like, but by the rules of this capitalistic society, like I need money to 
feed myself and live. And so that's where, you know, it's less playful and more jobful. And so I'm very grateful that I've been as fortunate as I have been to be able to, you know, I put in the time and the work and the effort and the energy and the tension like over the past 20 years to write jokes and perform them and work on them in a way. But uh, to get to a point where now I can mostly when people offer me things that I want to do, I say yes. And when people offer me things that I don't want to do, I say uh, only for, you know, m much more than you. I think you'll give me. And uh, oh, you will. OK, never mind then. <laughs> So let that be a lesson in negotiation. Uh, so the answer is uh, maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe there'll be more music. I think it is uh, the aforementioned Jackie Cation's father who offered uh, and now has been amplified by Jackie and Maria. Elliot. Uh, as well. Elliot yeah. Cation. Yeah, the uh, never say no without a number. That's right. Like, truly, I mean, if you truly don't want to do it's it's fascinating because there's this, you know, the old sexist. Uh, like a sex negative anti-sex worker biased joke of you know let's say it's a man talking to a woman and saying would you have sex with me for a uh, million dollars and the woman says yes and then he says would you have sex with me for a dollar and then she says oh, what do you think I am and he says we've already established that now we're just haggling on a price and that is a problematic joke but there there is something like Take now take it just into the world, uh, like out of the world of sex, out of the world of sex work and into the world of like, I remember one time somebody asked me if I would dress up like a jester and be a do comedy at like a medieval times kind oh, no. of event situation. And I was like, uh, I don't think I want to do that. Where and how much? Yeah. I mean, truly. And but here's the thing also, like. One of the things I got into comedy for was to not have to go to an office and wear a suit. And also, if the people who made the Comedy Central program corporate had invited me to be uh, a part on that show, I would have happily put on a suit and went to that building and dressed like I don't want to dress. Where, like The tie would be equally uncomfortable. <laughs> As the tie is yeah, when, yeah. if I was at a job, but it's such a weird. Th I used to work at Barnes and Noble in the in a ca in the cafe, and every morning, uh, every once a week, I think once a week in the morning there would be they would call it a rally, and the whole store would have to gather. Even like it, I feel like our the cafe like operated differently than the rest of the store. Like the rest of the store, like sell, sell, sell. Like I feel like the cafe didn't even make money. That's just like to get people into the store. But like they're like sell big expensive books, but. I felt like our the big the main store manager when I was there seemed like cartoonish like like a business like I I got through those meetings by imagining it was satire by like <laughs> by pretending that it was like a Dilbert cartoon and I'm like this guy wow he's really managing it up you know what I mean and so I feel like and that made that made that work fun and so some of it is a matter of you know potentially mentally reframing if possible but also sometimes you're really you know standing on your feet for eight hours a day uh, at a in doing a thing that you wouldn't want to do if you didn't have to do it but you could do the exact same thing like people work on movie sets for 12 hour days you know or longer and if it's a thing you're like we're a part of it it's like joining the circus yeah. we're like we all want to be this is like it's the show it's showbiz it's entertainment and it, like you're potentially just as physically exhausted but you at the end of the day you're like i'm a star i'm a i'm a whatever it is yeah uh so yeah it's uh what was the question? <laughs> I have one thing, one final thing I need to ask you, and then we got to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. You mentioned acapella group a few minutes ago. Do you remember the name of your acapella group? What was your creative play on words name of the acapella group? Now, well, <laughs> yes. Uh, the answer, yes, 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 of course, yes. And here's the thing is, I would, I would have been happy to come up with this name. I didn't come up with the name. The, na the, the group existed before I got to the school. Uh, Brandeis uh, is the school where it was, and the name of the group, it was an all-male a cappella group, and it was called Voicemail. <laughs> and it was spelled in a, in a way that, okay, so. Uh, <laughs> we loved getting messages on our phones. <laughs> Oh, can I tell you a related thing, a brief related thing? Uh, a buddy of mine uh, who, who we, uh, I met at my summer camp and another buddy who I met at the summer camp, the three of us one day uh, a decade or two ago, 
uh, we recorded a voice, an outgoing voicemail message. And I think this is actually going to nicely tie together uh, all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. Okay. Uh, I will, if I may, do a brief rendition. I don't know if we'll have the rights to this, but it is, I think, satire or parody. So I think, I think we'll be covered. Uh, but otherwise, the Beatles may sue us. Uh, and here, so here was, uh, it was my friend Andrew's voicemail message. Uh, and it went like this. I, I can't do the three-part harmony that we did. We did a beautiful three-part harmony. I'll, I'll send you the other parts later. <clears throat> You've reached Andrew's phone. He's not home. Leave a message while my voicemail gently beeps. Na 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 na. Beep. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mike. This is Justin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not home. <laughs> <laughs> that was fantastic. Uh, people need to come see you this weekend at Acme. Follow you on all your social medias. You're Please. super funny on social media. Uh, sometimes the things you'll see on social media, the best ones end up in the act. I've seen that before. Uh, but you're a great follow. You're an awesome comedian. I love having you on the podcast. Always love it. Thank, Thank you, you so for much. doing this. And uh, I just want to say that I know uh, from being from hearing the show last night that you have merch with you and uh, CDs, right? And a poster. Oh yeah. Yes. People bring a poster. I don't want to leave here without a poster. So it's uh, it it's so much. I started working with uh, this this artist named McKinley Cox. Uh, he he makes art for a number of comedians. He just one day started illustrating like some of my jokes and he would send them to me and be like, what do you think? And I was like, these are funny. He's like adding, you know, a visual element to the things that I've created that I couldn't have done. Yeah. And I love working with visual artists. And he so he just started making me posters and I would use them initially on social media. And then Louis Katz, I'll, I'll throw a big shout out to Louis, super funny, was like, you should sell these. And I was like, that sounds like a be really hard he's like it's not he's like you tell a, a business that you you give local business like yeah. where, wherever i go i just like don't even have to carry them i just like send it send a file to a local place and like will you make these and they'll make them i pick them up and then it's so funny because my i sell albums wherever i go as well i know i of course you know albums like not everybody has a, a record player cd play you know not even not, nobody even know i don't even know what the technology is right now but uh, what are you listening to this on is it just going directly into your brain but uh are you me so <laughs> The I've been selling posters, you know, for the past year or so, and it's fascinating that like the poster that I I've done almost nothing like of the work to create the poster. I'm like, oh, I'm going to Acme. Why not make me the Roadrunner and have the you know the the coyote chasing me on an Acme rocket, uh, which doesn't even make sense because why he, why am I running away from Acme? I'm like, you know, eventually I'm gonna I'm gonna launch a rocket out of here and be whatever it is. But I'm like, he he did all the heavy lifting. He created this beautiful image, and uh, and people. People really respond to them. People love them. And I'm like, this album took me years to create. <laughs> like, I'd love that poster that took you seconds to create. <laughs> well, I already have the album. Yeah the, yeah, the album is... I already have yeah, a mic. The poster's bigger, so... Yeah. That's the one thing yeah. I don't have. I need to complete my collection. Fair enough. Uh, you've got it. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this. Hey.